0: going to ask you to open up this morning uh, to James chapter 3, the third chapter of the New Testament letter of James. We've been walking through this short but powerful letter of James, who was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ for about six weeks now. And as we have, we have seen that this letter is a very practical but a very powerful letter written to first century Christians about what it means to live out the transforming power of the gospel in a personal and practical way in our lives each and every day. If, as we've said, kind of the, the, the theme of the entire book of James is authentic faith in a world full of counterfeits. James is, is helping us to understand that it's one thing to say that you believe in Jesus, as we said last week, it's one thing to profess Jesus, but it's a totally different thing to prove that you belong to Jesus. Uh, There's many people who are out there who would say, I believe in Jesus or I believe I'm a Christian or I believe in the message of the gospel. But but affirming that you believe those things and then demonstrating that by being doers of the word and not just hearers of the word is something completely different. Today's passage that we're going to look at in James chapter 3 may be one of the most practical passages not only in James's letter, but probably in the entire New Testament. As a matter of fact, I can't think of many people to whom these verses that we are about to read do not apply almost every single day of our lives. In James chapter 3, we're going to talk about this morning the most powerful muscle in the human body. And the most powerful muscle in the human body is not your biceps, it's not your quadriceps, it's not your abdominal muscles, The most powerful muscle in the human body is your tongue. And I want us to see what James says about the tongue in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 12. James says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his old body. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray this morning as as we look at this passage of Scripture that you would... Open up each of our hearts to see the way that we can use our words for godly and ungodly ways. I pray, God, you would would help us to see this passage this morning and to see ourselves in this call from James about the way that we speak to others, the way that we speak about others, about the way that we use our speech to, to bring you glory. So Father, reveal us this morning and and reveal anything in our hearts and in our lives that need to be corrected today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The most powerful muscle in your body. The tongue is really a fascinating muscle if you think about it. First of all, the tongue is the sensory center of all human taste. You can distinguish a number of different kinds of flavors from the receptors that are on your tongue. You can discern something that's sweet from something that is salty. You can discern something that is bitter from something that is hot, all because of the nerves that are inside of the human tongue. Not only that, but the tongue is also used to help you express Words, even as I'm talking right now, as I'm forming these words, my tongue is pressing either to the roof of my mouth or to the, to the tips of my teeth, and those things allow me to form the words that I am speaking. You make certain sounds from the way you press your tongue around. You can, you can even use your tongue to express disapproval of someone without even saying a word, you know? All you got to do is stick your tongue out at them. And immediately, everybody knows it's a universal symbol of disapproval. What makes the tongue the most powerful muscle in the body, though, is, is how it's used to verbally interact with other people. And when we talk about the tongue in this manner, we're not just talking about the muscle of the tongue, but we're talking about the whole system of speech. It's It's really a miracle of the human body when you think about it. Our our speech is made up of three subsystems of our body, the respiratory system, the phonatory system, and the resonatory system. Now, you didn't know you were going to get a biological lesson when you came in this morning. But all three of those systems combine to formulate and express verbally whatever thoughts or feelings we may be expressing internally at the time. And so when you think about the ability of human beings to speak and, and really the one thing that kind of distinguishes us from all of creation in many ways, I mean, animals have different ways of expressing, you know, themselves, lions can roar and birds can sing, but when you think about it, it's, it's really only the human person who has the ability to express thoughts and feelings in words the way that we do. I want you to think about this for a second. How many of you have ever said something recently that you wish you had never said or wish that you could take back now? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's not one you like, to, you like to really raise your hand on, is it? Almost all of us have learned the hard way about the dangerous power of our words. And for those of us who haven't learned about the power of your words, it's not because you don't have a problem with your words, it's probably because you have a problem with your heart. God's Word has a lot to say about the speech of followers of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at a few of these passages of Scripture on the screen. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. We don't have time to exegete all of the things that would come under the words corrupting talk, but basically Paul says that there has to be anything that comes out of your mouth that is corrupting, that, that, that speaks corruptive things to anyone, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So, so really the definition of corrupting talk is anything that doesn't give grace to others. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That's a scary, scary thought, isn't it? For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And then Proverbs 17, 28. Here's a verse for some of us in here today. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. I love that. Even a foolish person who keeps his mouth shut could be considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. You know, one of the things when I was younger, people would say to me, they'd say, you know one of the things I love about you, Matt, is that and you just say whatever's on your mind. Like, you like, you, you just don't have a problem just speaking what's on your mind. And then I came to realize that, that while many people are known for speaking their mind, saying what's on your mind isn't necessarily a badge of honor that most of us should be wearing. And it's not something that many of us should be proud of. Few things display the maturity in Christ and submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives than the ability of Christians to put a spiritual filter over their mouths. In your notes, I've kind of summarized what James is saying in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, this way Few things can either authenticate or destroy our Christian witness more than the way that we engage with others with our words. Few things have the power to either authenticate or prove our Christian witness, and few things have the power to destroy our Christian witness more than our words. And I've learned this lesson the hard way over the years. And I think many of you have learned this lesson as well. I want us to look at three things that James, the brother of Jesus, tells us this morning about the Christian and our words. And I want us to look at these as we walk through this text this morning. The first thing I want us to notice is the power of the human tongue. James addresses the power of this muscle, this, this tongue... And notice first in verse 1, we'll start. We read that verse. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James opens his section with a warning to those of us who would teach the Word of God. And he says, not many should become teachers, not many should aspire, because those who teach are accountable to a very high standard. Now, when James says this in verse 1, he's not saying that people should avoid being teachers or preachers or elders in the church. He's not, he's not saying that we should run away from that. As a matter of fact, that the Holy Spirit has laid that calling upon our life, whether in my particular role as pastor teacher or, or even as someone who's been, who's been given the calling to teach God's word to others in a, in a Bible study capacity. It doesn't mean that we should run away from that. He's not saying that we should avoid being teachers. The Bible tells us that we need godly teachers in the church. We need many who who are able to teach others. But what he's saying is you need to be very careful. You shouldn't actively seek out the office of the pastor or the role of teaching the gospel unless you have a definite sense of calling and leading from the Holy Spirit. And the reason for that is because of the accountability of those who are in spiritual authority, have over their words. there's There's something that is unique to those of us who stand in a pulpit on Sunday morning that no one else can understand. And if you really understand the calling of the pastor, if you really understand what it is that God has called someone like me to do, it is a very fearful thing every single Sunday to stand before God's people and preach the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the first... Five years that I was a senior pastor in, in, in uh, Alexander City, Alabama, the first five years, every Sunday morning, I would have to go to the bathroom multiple times before I got up to preach because my, my stomach would be churning so much for, for nervousness over standing before God's people preaching God's word. Every Sunday that I stand in this pulpit, I do so under the weight of this warning that James tells us that not many of us should aspire to be teachers because we will be judged with a stricter judgment. It's a heavy thing to stand before God's people and open up and teach the Word of God, and every time that I stand here to teach, I do so under the weight of the knowledge that the words that I speak can influence the eternal destiny of hundreds of people of people every single week. That's what James is saying here. We need to be careful about this calling because our words are important. But then James goes on and he says, we all stumble in many ways. He's acknowledging the frailty of our human condition. He he tells us every one of us stumbles, not just, not just pastor, teachers, all of us stumble, and all of us stumble in many ways. Even though we as Christians have been redeemed from the curse of our sin, we are not yet removed from the reality of our sinful hearts. And So he then turns to a form of stumbling and sin that all of us can relate to when he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. He turns to the sin of speech. And he says, if anyone in here doesn't stumble occasionally or often in the things that you say, if you don't stumble with your words, if you never use your words in a manner that is ungodly or unchristian, then you are, what James says, a perfect man or a perfect woman. As a matter of fact, if you can control your mouth, you can control every other aspect of your life, is what he says. You're a perfect man, able to control your whole body. But we know that nobody can do that because he goes down and says that even later on when he says, no man can tame the tongue. Nobody in here is perfect in their speech as a Christian. Some people struggle with anger and impatience while others don't really sin with impatience. Some people struggle with greed and covetousness while others may not struggle with that. Some people struggle with substance abuse while others don't have any temptation at all to abuse substances but every Christian on some level stumbles with godly speech every Christian on some level stumbles with the way that we use our mouth you might lose your temper when with someone who's driving in front of you and you you think it's okay because you're in the car by yourself and nobody's listening to you nobody's listening to what you're saying to that person but the reality of it is is that someone is listening to you right You hear a juicy story about someone that seems too good to be true, so you share it. You're asked your thoughts and feelings about something, but you don't really want to express your true thoughts and feelings, so you tell a little white lie because you don't want to offend the person. You drop the dinner on the floor that you've been working on for over an hour. Or maybe you don't like a decision that someone in the church has made, and so you decide you're going to go up to the pastor or the minister or the church member or the deacon, and criticize them and say things about them that are unfounded. All of these are sinful speech patterns. And James clarifies that if anyone doesn't stumble in their speech, they're perfect. If you've never said anything that you shouldn't have said, if you've never used your words in a way that harms or demeans others, then you have overcome a huge sin obstacle in your life. But the truth of the matter is that nobody has successfully won the battle of the tongue and no one is sinless in their speech. We all sin with our words, whether it's gossip or criticism or condemnation or profanity or lying or angry words or boasting, slander, and a myriad of other forms of sinful speech that are all contrary to the will of God for the Christian's mouth. James continues in verses 3 through 5 when he talks about putting bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us. And as we do, we guide their whole bodies. And then he says, if you look at ships, they are large and driven by strong winds and guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. He turns to, to really three metaphors. The first is that of a, of a bit, a little small bit, a piece of metal that we put into the mouths of Horses, animals that can weigh over a ton. Animals that are that have muscle capacity that is far beyond what any human being can, can muster. And yet, someone can put a, a, a bit in a horse's mouth and tie two leather straps and sit on the back of that horse and guide that horse anywhere that they want that horse to go. And then he talks about the rudder of a ship, that you can have a powerful, gigantic ship that's either propelled by the wind or in, in, our, in our particular capacity. It could be propelled by fuel, by nuclear power or, or by gasoline or by any other methods. And you can have this massive ship and that ship and the course of that ship is determined by a very small piece of wood or metal that's on the back of the ship that directs the ship according to wherever the pilot wants it to go. <coughs> and the point of it is That James is making here is that small things can have a big impact. Small things can have a big impact. And what James is saying, I put in your notes, is this, that the course of our lives is usually determined by our mouths before it is ever determined by our steps. Did you ever notice that? ever notice that the direction and the course of your life is more, more often determined by the way that you say things more so than the way that you respond to things? The direction of our life, the course of our life, the quality of our life has a lot to do with how we speak to and about others. For most of us, it's our words that get us in trouble more than our actions. It's our words that can damage our reputation or our relationship with others worse than some action that we have taken. We used to say as we were kids, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But it wasn't true, was it? As a matter of fact, I remember a guy who used to... a guy named Tierce Green when I was a kid, when I was in high school, who used to come and do retreats at our church. And Tiers had this song, and the title of the song was called Sticks and Stones. And the opening line was, Sticks and Stones May Break My Bones but words go deeper than your eyes can see. The tongue is a small muscle in the body, but it has the potential to determine the course of your life more than any other muscle that you exercise. As a matter of fact, I, I want to challenge you to do an experiment this week. I want, you to, I want you to try being sinless in your speech for one whole day. No unwholesome words whatsoever coming out of your mouth. No embellishing, no slander, no gossip, no impatient outbursts, no criticism, no hurtful jest, no words of frustration to your spouse or your children, no off-color comments to your co-worker, no snap reactions to something that you weren't expecting to happen. I want you to think about, could you go sinless in your speech for one entire day? So we see the power of the human tongue, but I want us to see secondly the potential that the tongue has for harm and destruction. The potential for harm and destruction. James turns to the third metaphor, which is that of a, of a small a, a fire that turns into an inferno. In verse 5, he says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue also is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James again tells us how something small can have a powerful effect, and this time it's a small spark that happens to fall on top of a brush of dried leaves and limbs in the middle of a crowded forest. And And this is something we can all relate to because all of us have witnessed every single year the news reports of the great forest fires that take place in our own country in the Western United States. We've we've watched the reports as powerful infernos that destroy hundreds of acres of timber and hundreds of homes in its path. And it's painful to watch the faces of the people who are evacuated from their homes, knowing that they will likely return to a scene of great destruction. It's difficult to watch the men and the women who rush into the fire risking their lives to try to stop the tempest from causing more destruction. And James uses this illustration about how these giant infernos are usually started from a small spark. It might be a lightning strike or it might be a a, a cigarette thrown out of a window. It might be any number of things that that cause a little small spark on the right combination of brush that can literally burn and destroy hundreds and thousands of acres in just a short amount of time. And James says our tongues have the same destructive power in the lives of people. He tells us that the unredeemed human tongue is a fire whose blaze begins literally in the pits of hell itself. Satan understands that he can use our words to cause as much destruction in the lives of ourselves and other people as he can anything else in our body. James says the tongue is a world of unrighteousness and that it can stain our entire body. Some of us have learned that the hard way. We've learned how, how an, an, a, a, a statement or a comment or something that we really didn't think through before we said it could stain our reputation with people forever years of benevolent and positive investments in the lives of others can be completely destroyed in a moment by a casual word that should have never been spoken in the first place and our witness to Jesus Christ can be destroyed by something as, as simple as a crude joke or an off color comment a friendship can be completely incinerated in a moment through an unjust criticism or a false slander or angry words that shouldn't have been spoken. I put this in your notes. Nothing has the potential in your life to cause more destruction, more division, and more harm in this world than the unredeemed human tongue. Nothing. Nothing can destroy lives more. Nothing can cause more division in our culture or harm to others than the tongue that is not controlled by the Spirit of God. Wars have literally been ignited by the speech of men of power. People have gone from the height of celebrity to be completely canceled by the culture in a moment because of unwise words that they spoke. I was looking through some of this this week. Last year, there was a pastor in Missouri who was preaching, very much like I am today, in his church. And he decided to make a comment about women and their appearance before their husbands. And he made one improper and unbiblical remark that started a fire in his church and in his community. He was placed on leave for four months. All because he said something that was unbiblical but was his personal opinion. You might remember in 2018, Papa John's chairman, John Schnatter, made a comment on a radio interview and used a racial slur. And as a result of that, he was forced to resign from the pizza company that he founded and led for 34 years. His comments were even so destructive, not only to him and, and to his company, but the National Football League, who had a relationship with Papa John's, canceled their contract with Papa John's because of the comment that their founder made. Maybe you've heard the story of a senior saint who was talking at the hair salon with the other ladies when she heard a juicy but unproven little tidbit about her pastor in the church. So she, when she got home, she began to call the other ladies in her Sunday school class to let them know about this little bit of news that she had heard about Brother Ben. Pretty soon the word had spread throughout the church, and one of the deacons came to confront Brother Ben with the news, only to find out that the rumor was completely untrue and completely unsubstantiated. The damage, though, had already been done. Truly embarrassed, Miss Bertha came by the office to talk to Brother Ben and offer her apologies for spreading the story. The pastor said that he would accept her apology on one condition. He said, "Miss Bertha, I'd like you to do something before I, before I accept your apology. She said, okay, what is that? She said, do you, He said, do you own a feather pillow at your house? She said, yes, I do. He said, I want you to go home. I want you to get that feather pillow. I want you to go to the center of the town square. I want you to cut that feather pillow open, take the feathers, and throw them up into the air. All of them. And then I want you to come back to my office. Well, Miss Bertha was a little bit confused about that, but she said, okay. So she went home, got the feather pillow, went to the center of the town square, threw the feathers up in the air, and went back to Brother Ben's office and said, I've done what you've asked me to do. He said, okay, Miss Bertha, before I accept your apology, I need you to do one other thing. She said, what's that? He said, I want you to go, and I want you to go back to the town square. I want you to pick up all those feathers and put them back in that pillow and bring it back to me. She said, well, I can't. Those feathers are blown all over town by now. Brother Ben said, in the same way, you can never undo the words you speak once they leave your mouth. James goes on to say that the tongue is like an untamed animal. You know, you can tame lions and put them in a cage if you feed them enough. I've seen bears that have been tamed and can, can do acts I've seen elephants that can get up on one leg, right? We can tame elephants and lions and bears, but James says no one can tame the tongue. As a matter of fact, the only one who can tame the human tongue is the Holy Spirit of God. And he says that the tongue is a restless evil, full of poison. Just a little dab of poison from an unredeemed tongue can absolutely destroy a reputation or a relationship doesn't take much. Just, just one little dab of that poison can absolutely destroy your reputation. These are very similar to the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, when Jesus said, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles a person. And Jesus went on to say that the health and the condition of a tree is demonstrated by its fruits good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit and Jesus said out of the heart the mouth speaks out of the heart the mouth speaks and it's an interesting statement because Jesus is saying what comes across your lips may not be what you meant to say but it does re- reveal what you were really thinking and what's really in control of your heart out of the heart the mouth Speaks In your notes, I put it this way. Sooner or later, our tongues reveal what's true about our hearts. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Sooner or later, our mouths and our tongues are going to reveal what's going on in our hearts. Have you ever said something and instantly wished that you could take it back? And ever said something and realized in that moment it was a poor choice of words and And when you did, you said, oh, I didn't really mean to say that. Or, I can't believe I said something like that. Well, the reality of it is, yeah, you did mean to say it, because if you didn't mean to say it, you wouldn't have. See, what happened in that moment was not that you said something you didn't mean to. What happened in that moment was this filter that most of us have learned to keep over over our hearts, that filter was pierced for just a moment, and something came out of that filter that we were really feeling, but we didn't mean to express verbally. Sooner or later, your words will reveal what's true about your heart. Which brings us to the third and final truth that James talks about, which is the problem of spiritual hypocrisy. See, the problem with our mouths is that our mouths often reveal a greater problem in our hearts, which is the problem of spiritual hypocrisy. James tells us that our tongues can get so bad that we become nothing more than spiritual hypocrites. Look at what he says in verses 9 through 12. With our mouths we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Here's what he's saying. Just a few minutes ago we were singing songs about the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, and some of you had the capacity to sing praises to God and sing glorious truths about God, and before the day is over, you will say words to or about someone who was created in the likeness of God that you shouldn't be saying. From the very same mouths, we can praise God and curse those who were made in His image. One of the greatest problems with the sins of the mouth is that we often forget when we are speaking ill about or towards someone else that we are speaking to an image bearer of Almighty God. We are speaking to someone whom Almighty God personally created and breathed His life into. We are speaking to someone who, who carries the image of Holy God in this world. And James talks about this spiritual hypocrisy when he says, how can we bless a God we cannot see and curse an image-bearer of God that we can see. That's why James says, Brothers, this shouldn't be this way. Verbal hypocrisy, listen carefully, verbal hypocrisy should never be tolerable in the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Never. The church should never be a place that allows gossip, criticism, slander, demeaning, prejudicial comments, hearsay, rumor spreading, cursing, or any other forms of ungodly speech to go unaddressed. We should never be a place that allows slander to be expressed in the form of a prayer request. And we should never be a place that allows people to demean the image bearers of God because they might sit on the other side of a political aisle or come from a different ethnicity than us. We should never allow ungodly speech to go unaddressed. And let me speak to one other issue very quickly and that is that I understand that many of us are frustrated right now in our culture with the state of affairs of our nation. We're frustrated with inflation and gas prices and international policy and we're frustrated with the attacks on personal religious liberty in our culture. And I feel many of these same frustrations that you do. But listen carefully. Our frustrations and our disagreements about policy issues never give us the right as followers of Jesus to engage in disparaging character attacks about those who are on the other side of this issue than us. And it does not give us the right to make disparaging comments about those who are in office right now, including our president. Nowhere does the Bible give instructions to Christians on how to engage in public character assassination. But it does call us to pray for those who are the heads of state. And the reality is that if you haven't been praying for our president to repent of ungodly leadership decisions and be led by and follow the wisdom of the Spirit of God, then you probably shouldn't be expressing your opinion publicly about him or his policies and you shouldn't do it on social media and you shouldn't do it with your mouth. It's perfectly fine to express personal disagreement on policy matters because that's what makes for good and healthy debate. It's what makes a democracy work. It's perfectly fine for us to say, I disagree about this particular decision. I think this is the wrong decision. I think we need to do something different. That's what makes democracy work. But it is not acceptable for Christians to engage in immoral speech or personal character attacks. Because we need to remember that a lost world is watching every moment of the day to see how we who are followers of Jesus Christ will speak to the issues of the day. And verbal hypocrisy that claims the beauty of a Savior who can transform hearts while at the same time saying ungodly things that come from an untransformed mouth will destroy our witness and the witness of the church more than anything else. You want to know why people aren't embracing our Savior? It's because for many of them they're listening to the words of Christians. And what they hear about the beauty of Jesus doesn't match what they hear from the character that comes across our lips. I put this in your notes the greatest capacity for damage in your speech is not the potential damage to your reputation and it's not the damage of feelings to others as bad as those things are the greatest damage for a reputation from your speech is to the damage to your witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ Again the things that we are dealing with in our culture right now are important and we as Christians need to have a forum to speak the kingdom of God. It's what it means to be salt and light. We need to be able to speak into those issues in a way that is winsome, in a way that is wise, in a way that, in a way that expresses the word of God into the culture. It's what we're called to do. But we don't do that by engaging in, in demeaning and mocking and criticism. We're not going to win the culture that way. We're going to win the culture when we show them the beauty of a transformed heart that has hope in this world and, and believes in the power of the gospel to change lives. At the, end of the thing, at the end of the day, the thing that should matter most for us as Christians is the gospel of Jesus and ensuring that as many people as possible have the opportunity to hear about Him and trust Him for salvation because we won't take any of the rest of the stuff to heaven with us. And if you win a political argument and have a chance to get personal retribution to someone who has offended you or hurt your feelings, but you lose the chance to influence that person for Jesus Christ, then what have you really won at the end of the day? We need to pay careful attention to this powerful muscle in our body, the tongue, and we need to evaluate carefully the way we speak to and about other people. Many of us need to pray right now for the Spirit of God to redeem our hearts and to redeem our mouths so that we will not use our words to undo what our Lord Jesus is trying to do in this world. And many of us would do well to remember Psalm 1914. Psalm 1914, David said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Would you pray that every morning as you get up? Oh, Lord, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable today in your sight? Now, real quickly, you got a few more blanks there. I don't have time to expound on these, but let me just give you a few positive ways to redeem your speech, a few positive ways to replace criticism and gossip and slander and these things. What are some positive ways that we can speak? Number one, share God's Word and the Gospel with others. You can use your words To bring the good news of Jesus Christ to see a person transformed from spiritual death to spiritual life. You have the power in your words when you share the gospel with others to share the only message that can change the eternal destiny of someone else. So use your words to share God's word and to share the gospel with other people. Number two, speak to others as if Jesus were a part of the conversation. Because he is. Because the person who's standing in front of you is an image bearer of God. And if you wouldn't tell that crude joke in front of Jesus, you probably shouldn't tell it. If you wouldn't make that off-color comment about someone in front of Jesus, then you probably shouldn't say it. You need to speak to others as if Jesus were a part of the conversation because he is. Number three, purpose in your life to be a channel of affirmation and encouragement to others. Purpose in your life to be a a channel of affirmation and encouragement to others. This is hard sometimes for me because my spiritual gift is is negativity sometimes. And, 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 And sometimes it's hard for me to think about how do I speak in a way that is affirming and encouraging to others. I have the gift of sarcasm. I can say all kinds of things sarcastically and unfortunately I've learned that sometimes being sarcastic may not necessarily hurt someone else's feelings but it sure does influence the way they see about me and my Savior. So purpose to be a channel of affirmation and encouragement to others. Number four, boldly but humbly stand for the truth of God. Boldly but humbly stand for the truth of God. There are going to come times when we as Christians need to speak to the culture of the day. We need to speak into the issues that are going on in our culture. We need to speak about things like abortion. And we need to speak about things like religious liberty... We need to speak about things like attacks on the church. But when we do so, we need to do so humbly, not proudly. We need to boldly but humbly speak for the truth of God. And then one of the most powerful ways that you can use your words is to intercede through others for others through the ministry of prayer. Intercede for others through the ministry of prayer. Just think about that. If you use your words this week to share God's word on the gospel, to speak to others as as though Jesus were part of your conversation, to, to purpose in your words to make sure that everything you say is affirming and encouraging to others, and when it comes time to boldly stand for the truth of God, you do so, but with humility, and if you use your words to pray for others, you could literally transform the world with your mouth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we as we close this morning we want to offer an opportunity to respond this morning to the word of God we're going to have an invitation time and sing a, a song and as we do if you're here this morning and, and you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you're here this morning and, and God has revealed to you your need for the Lord Jesus your, your, your unredeemed mouth is not your greatest problem it's your greatest problem is your unredeemed heart because out of the out of the mouth the heart speaks and if your mouth is constantly speaking ungodly things it might be because you have an ungodly heart that's never been changed by the gospel so in just a moment if you're here and you need to trust the Lord Jesus as your Savior this morning and the Holy Spirit's been working on you revealing to you your need to be saved and forgiven to repent of your sins and in just a moment we want to give you an opportunity to do that you can come and speak to me or one of our ministers and we'll be glad to share the gospel with you but maybe you're here this morning as a Christian and you say you know what I'm a I'm a follower of Jesus but my mouth doesn't always reflect that and I need to come this morning and I just need to repent of that I need to get before my Savior and say God may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight and maybe you need to confess some loose lips this morning Maybe you need to come because the Lord is revealing to you that you need to be a part of Central Park Church or anything else that the Lord is revealing to you, you come. Father heaven, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you for being a God who not only spoke all things in existence through the power of your word, but but you've given us as image bearers the, the power through our words to speak life into others. Forgive us for using our words in ways that are not godly and honorable to you and and Father, redeem our mouths so that our words are always conduits of your word and the gospel in a lost and broken world. God, speak to whoever needs to respond this morning and call them to, to do whatever you've called them to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing this with us? You respond if the Lord's calling you to.